This is the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast, where we cover books, beverages, and the general BS of the day. A few disclaimers, we are not literary experts, or experts in anything for that matter, and explicit content should be expected. I am your host, Barry Price. I hope you enjoy the show. Happy New Year, fellas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What are y'all drinking, John? Tito's and Topo. We're going to have to change the name. Yeah. I hadn't had a Tito's in a while. Jared, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a hazelnut brown ale uh, by River Rat Brewing out of Columbia, South Carolina. Hazelnut brown ale. Got it at my local hot stop. Thank you, hot stop. If you win hot spot, hot. If you go into one of these places, the uh, convenience store called the hot spot, you'll hear feeling hot spot, hot every like 10 seconds over the radio. <laughs> uh, do you still have your whiskey handy? With the one I was just drinking? Yeah, before we recorded. Before I poured it out. You tossed it completely? Yeah, man. I wasn't having it. That thing. Oh. That bad? What kind of flavor profile did it have? It didn't have one. It felt. It it tasted mixed. Mixed? Blended. Yeah, that's a word. Hey, I have a question. That's a proper word. (laughs) Um. The River Rat Brewing, are they any relation to the River Rat store? Like the River Rat Tubing Company? Yeah, there's a no, I don't, I, um, kayaking store in Columbia that I bought stuff from. Oh, I don't know. It's called River Rat. I actually found a receipt today for my paddle. <laughs> is it a Bending Branches? What is it? Uh, the brand? Yeah. It's Warner. Got the last one on this side of the earth. Is it is it a fixed length or is it adjustable? It's it's, a fixed length. It's a high quality carbon and fiberglass. Five ounces. Yeah. (laughs) Barry drinking Barry. I was about to excuse myself, go to bed early tonight. <laughs> I've got the uh, Federalist red wine. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon from my favorite town in California, Lodi. It's a 2017 wine, rich, full-bodied. Brings a bold flavor to a well-rounded palate. Who's got? It? Who's on there? It's got my boy... Benjamin Franklin on it. Is that bookmark I sent you, Ben Franklin? No, it was uh, Churchill. Oh, yeah. I was going to send you a Franklin one, too. Oh, Lord, stuck in Lodi. Why do you like Lodi so much? Because of that song. It's not Sons of Anarchy? No, I've actually never watched Sons of Anarchy, believe it or not. few things to follow up on from last episode. Uh... Actually, this one's from two episodes ago. 
the El Faro, what happened. So what the captain said is what went. And it made me think about uh, out here in the oil fields, which I don't work in, but I'm around it. They have a thing called a stop work authority, which I assume you guys probably have in your jobs as well, which means that at any moment, any person can say to stop the job, no matter what your rank, if it feels unsafe. And so I'd be surprised if some lowly goon came out and said to stop work if they would actually do it, but they're supposed to, <laughs> but I just thought it'd be uh is worth pointing out because it probably could have happened with the El Faro. There, there, I don't think there is a, uh, a, if you see something, say something at the time in the maritime industry, right. that's, I'm sure that's different these days. Probably, probably because of El Faro. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, another thing is I said it needed to rain for us to have blue bonnets and I'll be damned if as soon as we didn't hop off that recording, if it didn't start raining here, rained all night too. Uh, don't know if it rained in big bend though. Unfortunately, they tend to get more rain than we do though. So cause you're not there. Yeah. It's <laughs> wherever I tell you. It's going to be a dry week in Georgia while I'm over there. <sighs> Dry's all right. Sounds good. Uh, another thing we talked about in the last episode was Stephen King. Uh, first thing we talked about was his universe that he's created. We couldn't think of the word for that. It is called a multiverse, and his is expansive. Yeah, but it doesn't have a unique name that I'm aware of, like, you know, the Lord of the Rings world does or uh, the Game of Thrones world does. But if you know what it is, please let us know because I'm curious. And uh, at some point, maybe we'll try to post a picture of that Stephen King multiverse web because it's pretty complex. More complex than I would have ever imagined. And More then, complex than my pea brain can wrap its head, head around. I know. I spent like an hour looking at it. I'm like, eh, I haven't read enough. <laughs> uh, which brings me to my next point. I said the first book of his I read was Misery, which we'll be discussing later, I believe, tonight. Uh, but actually, the first one I read was The Gunslinger, which I didn't really care for. But, uh, and as everyone knows, Misery is the one I recommend to be everybody's starting point for Stephen King. Uh, and then the last thing we mentioned is we're going to dedicate all of 2021 to Stephen King books. Uh, we're not actually going to do that, but we do have some stuff in the works in that regard. So stay tuned. As John said in our story the other day, definitely, definitely. <laughs> if we had a dollar for every definitely you said, we're going to have to put that, make that the swear word of this show. <laughs> No, it makes me put a dollar in every time my, I say it. My swear word is uh, <laughs> actually have it right here in my show notes. It says, Don't say uh, but uh, right there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Last thing I wanted to touch on was reading goals. We talked about how if you set a specific book goal, you maybe would be shying away from reading bigger books. And then we talked about also having a page goal, but that can be really difficult to track, especially when you read across different mediums like uh, me and John do. And so I was thinking, and what really uh, my goal I think is going to be next year is just going to be to have the habit of reading for 30 minutes a day minimum. I like to read on the weekends about quadruple that if possible, but with an underlying goal of maybe getting 36 books done, which is one every 10 days. And if you don't have 30 minutes a day to read, I suggest you reevaluate your day. Same with exercise. Watching, watching TV for two hours. So yeah, easily something. I know I am. So you don't, you should have an hour every day to read and an hour every day to exercise. And, uh, if you think you need time to veg out, there's your times to veg out. Especially you can mentally. read while you're vegging out. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. And you can clear your head while you're jogging down the road, cussing at yourself. John, what book you got? Killing England by Bill O'Reilly. And? Martin Dugard. Is that how you say it? I believe so. Huh. Heard it recently. I always thought it was Duggard, but I think yeah, we went Dugard. Sorry, Martin. Jared? I have Misery by Stephen King. There you go. I have got Streets of Laredo by Larry McMurtry. So, uh, John, let's get on with it. All right. Killing England by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard. Um this is the last of his series that I needed to complete all of them. Oh, wow. It was published in 17 and it's been on my shelf probably since then. I didn't, it wasn't my favorite. It was the only one that I've never just blown. I've always blown through every single one of them. Yeah. This one took me a while. I actually started it before the last two episodes and finished it after it's still, I think it's still told a good story. I do like the style that you're in it and the juxtaposition that he likes to use with uh, the different historical figures and the footnotes are always really nice. I remember in Killing Crazy Horse, he was talking about Andrew Johnson, Jackson or Johnson, being yelled at by general lee or someone like i can't remember if these were the right people but it turned out to be general lee from the uh the civil war so i like to see all these little things tying together in american history Mm -hmm. but it was also good to hear about just the founding fathers thomas jefferson ben franklin george washington their stories that i didn't really know because i've never really cared too much about the revolutionary war but I'd still recommend reading it, but it wasn't still wasn't my favorite. It was harder to get through than the other ones. It's not my preferred topic, I guess. Uh, you can get it right now on, on Amazon, the hardcover for nine twenty. I guess everyone else felt the same way. Damn. Yeah. 
I probably paid 30 for it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's fairly short, 350 pages. And with Bill O'Reilly being the controversial figure he is, there are some, some good one-star reviews. I bet. Let's hear them. R.L. Heaton gave it one star because he's weary of O'Reilly's speculative writing, so he didn't even read it. Timothy says, it is a book with American bias, sexism, editorial mistakes, and an incomplete story. Well, you win the war, you get to write the history. Yep, you get to have the bias. (laughs) Janet says, got this for my dad. He likes this stuff. Would never read it, though. I like those, too. I like those more than the... It's like Linda. I, I bought the book, but I didn't. It wasn't. I just want you to know it wasn't my idea to buy. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell someone. Yeah. <laughs> Linda never received her download. And Brad Z says the CD number two is blank. Yeah. You guys ever have people at your gas stations trying to sell you rap CDs? Yes. Um, that's happened several times. Yes. I bought one one time. And I'll be damned if it wasn't blank. (laughs) (laughs) How much did that blank CD cost? I think I gave him five bucks for it. Oh, we got a virus. Yeah. He got a blank CD to use. It's probably still stuck in the CD player of my old Camry. (laughs) Um, So I I will say this about the book in conclusion. It It was good, though, to have an understanding of the conditions that these soldiers were facing up in the Northeast and even in the South during this time. It's not like we had what we have now or good shelter. Right. They were in huts in the middle of the winter in New York. Yeah. Zero rated sleeping bags. Yeah. Nothing that was water resistant. (laughs) I'm surprised this, we won the war. To be quite honest, I am too. Actually, just goes to show you how powerful a movement can be. Yeah, did they talk about how the American Shad run saved, basically saved the war because all the soldiers were were basically starving? American soldiers. What was this? Shad like the fish. The fish, American Shad. Man, single these fish single-handedly saved America. Well, we salute you, Shad. I've never heard of that. There's a whole book on it. Which book? I forget the title. Well, we'll we'll link it in the. I need to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read the book, so that's just that's the gist of it. That's good to know, though. Had a hearty spawn, and they just got their cast nets out, or what? Well, it was when they were migrating to the river to spawn. Basically just netted all these American shad, packed them in salt, loaded them up in barrels, and distributed them to the forces throughout the, the east. Nice. The more you know. 
That's why we employ <laughs> a fisheries biologist on this show. John, you got anything else on killing England? <laughs> no, I'm just glad we won. Yeah. They talk about Francis Marion. They did actually. They, they did. did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The old swamp fox. Yeah. <laughs> swamp fox himself. There's actually one of the chapters starts off with a special city in South Carolina, in Monk's, Monk's Corner. Monk's Corner, baby. <laughs> what are they talking about, Monk's Corner? What was it? It was Battle Bacon uh, Creek. Francis Marion. I don't know what the. Oh, I gotcha. The details. I'm not a details guy. Did they? Did they talk about the? Uh, so, the British. I don't know if I'm correct on this. They were coming. Right. They, <laughs> then they came. And, but so they, they held a, a house and turned it into a hospital on the Cooper river and American forces sank one of their subs or ships right there in the Cooper river. And it's still there. Apparently. I don't huh, know. Let's go check that out. You're telling me. That they get submarines. Very crude. It's I don't I man powered kind of things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what they were doing. Huh. Like the the screw. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a ship. I'm pretty sure it was, it was one of the two. We'll have to check that out. I'm excited to come to Monk's Corner. I read. Oh, no. I read Killing England before I had any connections to. Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So, Jared, let's hear about uh, misery. Man, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know where to start on this. But Paul Sheldon is a best-selling uh, novelist. Finds himself in the home of his number one fan. Annie Wilkes, who is a retired RN. His legs are shattered. He doesn't really know where he is. But Annie Wilkes is there to save him. But things escalate from there pretty quick right off the bat. Uh, basically, it, it gets pretty intense by Annie Wilkes burning one of his novels that he's written. And it just goes downhill from there. She goes on a well, – Yeah, because she didn't kinda, like it. Uh, she doesn't like it. She hates it. And she wants him to write and bring back some chick named Misery back to life. And, uh, dude, it's so good. It was it was a slow start, but it, it got damn good. It escalates quickly. It's actually one of Stephen King's faster starts. Just <laughs> – that was my criticism of it is I didn't understand what the hell was going on with the like in and out. Yeah. That he was going through at the very first page. And yeah. I just kind of like, all right, I'm going to read this later. Yeah. Yeah. The first paragraph doesn't, won't, won't get you. You got to power through that. Yeah. It was good though. Now I really, I really enjoyed reading it at first. I was like, man, I was like, this isn't, this is not a Christmas book. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't know if we ever said it was a Christmas book. We just said it was a a wintertime <laughs> book. Uh, you you mentioned that you were having trouble sleeping the other night. Man, okay. I just I just dreamed of Annie walking around here with an axe. 
Yes, with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Axe and sledgehammer, and it, it was it was kind of disturbing how much detail Stephen King went into on this one. <laughs> it, get, there, it was one of those things, you, you didn't want to read it, but you, you just kept going, dude. Right, you could not read it. You could yeah, not read it. <laughs> I, I definitely felt that bad. way. It's like, I don't. I want to put this down so bad, but I can't. Uh-huh. That's how I felt with all of them, with all, or a lot of his books I've read. Mm-hmm. When I was reading The Shining, I, uh, I mean, I'd read that thing till midnight or one in the morning and not even realize what time it was. Yeah. I mean, it got to be a page turner. What I thought it was a good touch in it was the uh, – he included what Paul Sheldon was writing – in, in the book oh yeah i don't know if y'all's did y'all's versions include that yeah yeah like it was missing an end so you like the ends were handwritten in, oh yeah <laughs> in the book itself i thought i thought that was a pretty good touch to it man it was entertaining because yeah, yeah, of the typewriter's bed <laughs> well he wrote that book was that before or after he got run over i can't ever remember but like all the, you know, being hooked on the pills and stuff, that was, I mean, he wrote that from his own experience. Did his legs get jacked up too? Well, he got uh, he got hit by a car walking down the road one day. Oh, and, shit. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff was wrong with him. So you need to read his memoir. I tell you one thing. Being confined to a bed like that is my worst fear. Yeah. It's terrifying. I, I, I don't know how long it went on. It went on for the book. What was it? A few months? Probably more than a few months. I feel like it was Close like six year, months. Six yeah, months? Yeah, some kind of ri- ridiculously long time. Man, I, it just it creeped me out. Yeah. The whole book creeped me out. <laughs> like, if I'm ever in a car wreck that's going to leave me paralyzed, I would just rather die. I hope I don't end up <laughs> in Annie Wilkes' house. <laughs> that's damn straight. I, uh, you know that cabin's got to be based on a real location, and I'd like to go see it. Kind of actually makes me think of your cabin, John. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It's a little more secluded. Yeah. But, Yeah. Definitely. Get snowed in out there all winter. Jared, did you watch the uh, Family Guy adaptation of Misery? No, I, did. I have not. Uh, let me check it out. <laughs> have you watched it. the movie? No, I haven't. It's okay. What, do, I need to, do I need to watch the movie now? Or what? Mm, I mean, I think the book's so much better and you'd be fine without it. I like to watch the movies. For some reason, yeah. maybe I will. Is it on Netflix? I don't think so. I had to rent it. I wish, you know, I wish they'd. That's one I think they could make a new one of pretty easy. Shoot, we could make it. I mean, it's only got two characters in it, so it'd be pretty low budget. I almost want to read it again. Yeah, I thought about rereading it. Now that we're a little bit ahead. 
yeah, I got some time to catch up. The book I'm reading right now is a pretty difficult read, and it's 800 pages, so I'm going to be burning my – I don't know what's difficult about the read, but it just is. You know what uh, Stephen King should do now, 25 years later, whatever it is, is go actually write the books that Paul Sheldon Mm, that would be that would be pretty good add a layer to the multiverse um you know already there that i I don't know if i saw misery on on what you sent i don't think it has any connections no if it does it'd be a really small one because it's not uh it's not set in maine be the first start. I see what you're saying. But uh, Stephen King also likes to write about Colorado because he spent some time living in Boulder. So so that'd be your shining and misery and uh, the stand has a lot takes place in Colorado as well. Annie Wilkes is in the middle of this this little thing. She is? Yeah. I wasn't looking close enough. What else does she tie? Oh, you know I, what? I can't follow this fucking thing at all. Uh, you know what, though? <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, you know, when he finds her book of of uh, stuff, her scrapbook, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I bet I bet those are tied into other books somewhere. Oh, she, you think you think her murders are tied into other books? I bet they are. I want to know which ones. That that'd be. That would be the only tie to anything else I could think. It almost looks like there's an it tie from Paul Sheldon. Hmm. No shit. I've never read it. Eddie Kasprak. Kasprak? I don't know. Yeah. I read about 400 pages of it and had to give it up. So. Well, you got about 10% of it done then. Yeah. I read this year, I read last year, 2020, I read over a thousand pages of Stephen King books that went unfinished. Mm. <laughs> you could have finished one. Yeah, I could have got a thousand pages. Of those three, I could have finished one. So is what it is. I'll try again next year. My turn. What'd you read? I've got uh, Streets of Laredo by Larry McMurtry. I uh, I actually didn't choose to read this. You may remember a few episodes back. It chose back. you? Yeah, kind of. We so, chose it. Yeah, oh. a, f- a few episodes back, I discussed my method for choosing books when I'm not certain of what I want to read. Uh, and this is one that was chosen for me. I will say I would have gotten to it pretty soon, though. Uh this book is the last of the Lonesome Dove tetralogy uh, in the order of the characters' lives. It's the last one. It's actually the second one that was written. Uh, and I would recommend for anybody who hasn't read any of them to read them in order of their lives, not in order of their writing. So uh, in that order would be Dead Man's Walk, Comanche Moon, Lonesome Dove, Streets of Laredo. So the whole story, all four books, follows a group of Texas Rangers essentially through their entire adult lives. 
with Streets of Laredo being the end of the journey and with significantly fewer of the characters. Uh, <clears throat> this book is uh, basically about one of the last of the kind of the main characters from the original books and his hunt for two bandits that are uh, one of them's terrorizing a railroad and one of them is called the man burner who just anybody he captures, he likes to make a big brush fire out of. Uh, and then as all the others do, this one has several small side stories that ultimately all tie into, into one at the end. Um, and I like this book, uh, or something that helped me enjoy it is that it's all kind of set in my part of the world, West Texas. Uh, the book starts out in Amarillo and then works down to, uh, Boquillas, Mexico, uh, Presidio, Ojinaga, up to Van Horn, Lincoln County, which is Riadosa. So, you know, you just kind of feel a little more connected to it when you know where they're at, even though I don't think he does a fantastic job of describing the landscape. Um, this book's got some good humor moments, uh, lots of sad moments and lots of extremely violent moments as all the others do too. Um, and the characters are all easily relatable as they are in all the books. Uh, that was probably actually when I finished the book, I kind of felt like, you know, it's like, Oh, they're sort of gone from my life now. So, uh, all that being said, I do think this is the worst book of the four. Uh, but it's still still a good book and and definitely a must read, especially if you've read the other uh, the other three in the series. And one thing I was thinking, you could probably almost pick up any of the four and read it as a standalone book and still still uh, enjoy it and still find it to be a good read. But I think just uh, pick them up and deal with them. As I said, a couple episodes ago, it's one of the best comments I've ever seen. Uh, this book, this one was 584 pages. I read it in about three weeks on my regular reading schedule, which is 30 minutes a day and whatever I can squeeze in on the weekends. So, uh, and the whole series I actually read over the course of about three years, uh, with the last two being read this year. Uh, it's got four and a half out of five star rating on Amazon. The one star reviews are horrible. Probably the worst book I've ever read. Completely nihilistic and amoral. If you like scenes of dogs and children being burned alive or five page descriptions of amputations with a dull knife, this is the book for you. Sounds like it. Yep. Um, uh, as someone who counts Lonesome Dove as one of my all-time favorites, this was an unbelievable letdown. Don't read it. Uh, so, like I said, this, in my opinion, is probably the worst book of the series, but I still think it's worth reading. I think they're all, you know, going to be considered classics one day if they're not already. Uh, and John wants me to point out that he also wrote Brokeback Mountain. So, which I have... <laughs> which I haven't read. And uh, I, I'd say his other probably pretty popular book is Boone's Lick. That's a pretty quick read as well. Yeah. I've, uh, I've never read it, but I 
probably have it on the list somewhere. It's pretty funny. Um, I'm looking at his list of books right now, and there's a Texas trilogy. Uh, Dahlia, Horseman Passed By, Leaving Cheyenne, The Last Picture Show. Yeah, those are pretty good, too, I think. That's what I've heard. Last Picture Show, especially, is supposed to be really good. Supposedly, Last Picture Show nearly got him kicked out of um, the town he lives in now. Lockhart. Archer City. Archer City. Um, just because the locals, it was about Archer City, <laughs> and they didn't like the way it portrayed Archer City. Well, they should quit portraying themselves. That way. <laughs> uh, he also, his son, James McMurtry, wrote a song that we're all fans of called uh, Choctaw Bingo. So, I love that song. Yeah. The, is this series like a – is it dark? Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's a, always something on the horizon bad's about to happen. Yeah, so one criticism I've heard from somebody we'll have on this podcast uh, in the future is that the books are predictable, mm-hmm. which I would say they are to an extent, but it's not like you know exactly what's going to happen. You just kind of know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, – I mean, it's they're definitely dark, but they have several moments of humor, uh, and then they all have a general, typically underlying love story into it as well. So, but the first three or the first two books are based on Texas Rangers trying to clear the frontier of Comanches. So, that last book just wasn't the same without old Gus. Yeah, old Gus, man, shoot, God dang. Tears were shed. It was sad. Like it was. It was. It was sad. Yeah. When Gus died. <laughs> Which. Ah, whatever. Everybody should know. Oh, Everyone Gus. knows what happens. <laughs> oh, Gus McRae. I would. You know, when I finished uh, Streets of Laredo, I I felt a little sad to be uh-huh. done with the series, though. No, I definitely Do you felt, feel the same way. I definitely felt that way too. I mean, and the books aren't short. So, I mean, it's like a, a tremendous amount of time, you know, went into reading them. And so you just kind of, you know, it becomes part of your life when it's yeah. that way. And so, and the characters, I mean, all the characters, at least, uh, you know, a lot of them carry over through all four books. So, or we'll cross paths, you know. You know what I you know what I did not like about it though is what? how Newt I don't even know if I should say anything. Yeah. Well, I didn't like how <laughs> I was like, damn, man, come on. So that was another one star review was <clears throat> that I read that I didn't mention was talking about how from the end of Lonesome Dove to the start of Streets of Laredo so many significant things happened. And then in Streets of Laredo, he just wrote them off in basically one paragraph. Just wiped them out. Yeah. Dang near all of them. Right. <laughs> Except, uh, who was it? One of them went to go be a teacher on Tucum Carey. <laughs> what about the cook? Yeah, Bolivar. He, he came with them, right? Yeah, until they, they got dropped to the, him off. Until they got to the border, and then he died too. After he shot the donkey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 
It's they're worth reading. They're good, and the, the characters are definitely memorable. All of them, even the bad guys, are you know kind of likable in their own way. Old Jake Spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted, just wanted Lori. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, check them out if you want to. I would say if you're really, you know, if you're a person who can knock out books pretty quick, I'd say just get all four of them and just one after another. If you like Westerns and have not read at least Lonesome Dove, you're not a Western fan. I, yeah. I, you know, that's like I, the book. I will say, and I think I, when I covered Lonesome Dove, I talked about it. The book isn't just exactly a, a ripping thrilling page turner but at the same time it's like you don't ever want to put it down so it's unique in that way i remember somebody saying a long time ago saying i'm trying to read lonesome dove but he's like there just ain't nothing happening (laughs) you know he's like 150 pages in i said well now that i've read it i'm like that's just kind of the way it is but nothing's happening but at the same time a lot of stuff is happening so that makes sense. Uh, anyways, you guys were scheming on uh, putting a backpacking trip together, it sounded like, today. Boat packing. What? Yeah, I don't know if you can call it a, I don't know if you can call it a backpacking trip. Man. Yeah, we were looking at traveling by boat or kayak to campsites. Where at? Somewhere. Probably locally in our great state of South Carolina. I don't know how to say the wife's name. What's it? Joe Cassie. Joe Cassie. Mm-hmm. There's a little state park up there, and across the lake, about two miles, you can uh, go camp. It looks pretty secluded, except from the other campsites. That looks pretty awesome. And then there's Congaree, where you can kayak through the whole park it's only six miles long so probably doable in a day or stop mm-hmm. and camp in the middle of it yeah go out and camp and mm-hmm. come back and what, then you uh, have other options oh sorry there. no go ahead Jared. so you have other options like the edisto which that I was, I was reading i mean you can float that even though it's like a, a 40 or 45 mile float you can still make that float in two days pretty easy. Just cruising. The, yeah, just at the flow rate of the river. That'd that be cool. That's a little more difficult camping-wise, I think. Yeah, you'd have to get a canoe or something. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I'll need to come out here and do the devils. Someday. Hey, if we can For get real? our followers to start donating like 600 bucks each yeah <laughs> we'd be happy to go out and tr- do all that all the time i'll tell you what if our followers start donating 600 bucks each i'll put out a podcast every third day yeah from the wilderness yeah <laughs> <laughs> you remember a couple episodes ago when jared had the crickets in the background that's what every episode will sound like campfire crickets our, now yeah campfire crackling We'll spend more time with our <laughs> listeners and our wives. Yeah. They might already argue that we do. 
uh, well, so that brings me to something that we talk about frequently uh, is backpacking gear and something that we have been talking about recently, uh, at least between me and John, is backpacking or even extended hiking uh, food. What do you take? Start with gear. I keep it pretty simple for me. I've got a backpacking pack, a tent, a sleeping bag, and then usually try to cram some water and some whiskey and some Vienna sausages in there. And for a, book. a day, a single day trip. Yeah, that'd be one. Oh wait, that would be an overnight. A single overnight. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever actually done a multi-night. I've camped for consecutive nights in a row, but never like. Let's come back to not that. backpacking. Cause I, I want to talk about that too, that I've never spent just two nights in a row and disconnected. Mm-hmm. We did kind of did that in the Smokies with me and Jared, where we camped at a, a car camping site. And then briefly drove into town, but didn't stop. We just had to. There was the only, no way to get to the trailhead. And then started backpacking from there. I've done, back when my family had their ranch, we would go camp. I mean, me and my brother went one Thanksgiving for, I want to say three nights we were out there. My dad used to would go for like a month. <laughs> we go stay out there but you know even still i mean that's at the end of the day that's car camping but and that was back in the day before cell phones so it wasn't as big a deal to be disconnected mm-hmm. you know or it wasn't as i don't know i hate to say daunting of a task but i mean staying at the cabin is actually pretty disconnected too yeah about as disconnected. It seems more and more I'll go to cabins and that, and they have cell service. Yeah. And they, they have internet and satellite and yeah. I don't even have to connect to the internet because they have perfect cell service. When we go to big Bend next March, we'll make our, we'll do our best to make it two nights. There's a few spots in the park where cell service will pop through, but Actually, me and Tyler Vance, when we went to the Devil's River, we were disconnected for two days. Uh, that was partly because we failed to bring a phone charger with us. So, <laughs> Between the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we wouldn't have had service anyways. But So gear. Yeah. Back on my gear. I like to bring everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> I have a Especially 75. The map. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a map. Uh, I have a 75 liter backpack, <laughs> a little bit too much, uh, a sleeping bag, a sleeping pad that takes up probably 30 liters of my backpack. I need to, <laughs> that's the one thing I need to get replaced with a smaller one. So I do want to talk about that. Uh, tent, it's probably five pounds. It takes up another 30 liters. Then I try to bring a rain jacket, something to keep me warm, dry clothes because I sweat a lot, three days worth of food for an overnighter, um, 
Hey, you never know when an overnighter might turn into a three-day. So that's one thing I'm trying to get past in the new year is taking just what I need and realize if I'm not going to be a moron, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be okay. Even if I get hurt, I'll at least be on the trail. One thing that I want to do, and we've, I think we've all talked about this, is I need to set up a tub that's in my garage that's my camping gear. And so if Friday afternoon rolls around and I say, I want to go camping this weekend, I want to be able to grab that tub and now I've got everything I need to camp. Now that's talking car camping, but a similar philosophy could definitely be done for backpacking. I mean, you could literally keep your stuff packed and add your food in. Right. And just know that you prepared ahead of time and trust yourself. Yeah. No, you you put the toilet paper in there. That your lighter is full. Still the, uh, yeah. Well, did you guys got the meat eater book, right? Yep. Oh, uh, one, one of the random pages I flipped open to, he's like talking about how many lighters he carries. And he's like, and all of them are wrapped in duct tape too. Yeah. I, I carry two for some reason. and Both of them are wrapped in duct tape. The biggest problem I have with backpacking is I don't have any access to water anywhere. You need a new two- pack. No, I no, mean, he's talking about filtering yeah. water from oh, the ground. Oh, I see what you're And so I was when I was running with the uh, last weekend, we were talking. Uh, one of the guys has done the outer mountain loop at Big Bend, which is 38 miles, I think. And uh, he talked about having to cash their water. He said it did rain uh, the entire first day they were out there, so they did have some access to to water they could filter, but. Still, you can't count on that to happen. And so when you think about going to do 40 miles and you got to cash or carry your water, that's kind of a pain in the butt. Especially out there where you need a gallon, literally need a gallon a day. Yeah. Probably at least. So. What do you tote around? Yeah. And it's not a weight. It's not a weight that, you know, balances well either, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Talking about for like an overnight trip, what yeah. I would take. Well, if it's just a single overnight, I only have one pack, really big, a big pack. But I have a 32 liter that's probably expandable up to like 45 liters. But uh, basically, I just take you know first aid kit, poncho, sleeping bag. Uh, a tent. I'll try to split a tent up with someone if, if I'm hiking with someone. I think that was, that was going to be John and I's idea. I ain't if, about that. If, if we didn't a have a shelter. Life. Why? Just like having my own space. Why are you trying to share a tent? It's probably the better question. And then I carry <laughs> some food. And then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, food, water. Who carries the tent when you're sharing one? Well, you split the tent. One yeah. carries the poles and the other carries the 
the material. Nah. Like, I carried all sense. of our a whole bottle of whiskey up in yeah. Zion for both yeah. of us. <laughs> and then we one had night. One, one shot of it when we got there. Ooh, box wine. Oh, I yeah. found box wine is pretty convenient. That would be convenient. You can beat up a box of wine pretty good, and it's still going to hold together. Now, in the days of Yeti, you could carry just about anything you wanted. You could carry damn cold beer up there. Cold beer? Yeah. But, uh, no, box wine's a good idea. And whiskey's still a good idea, too. Yeah. You know, especially if you can chill it. And a headlamp. Forgot to mention yep. that. Very, very important. Yeah. I, I actually dug my headlamp out the other day. So I wasn't sure if I'd be running in the dark. So I took it. I don't mind running in the dark, though. So what kind of food do you take, y'all? Both of y'all. Jared, start with you. Uh, usually anything that could be cooked in boiling water. Oats. You know, make some oatmeal in the morning, some dried raisins, dried fruit, anything. You know, banana chips. Yeah. And lunch, usually a bagel with, with uh, you know, peanut butter or some raisins in it. And lunch or dinner, beans and rice. rice Fritos. Fritos. Rice and beans and Fritos. Yeah. Sounds Ten minute here. rice. Ten minute rice in the bag. Great. And instant coffee. Yeah, coffee's coffee's a tough one too. I had a little bit of luck carrying like cold brews. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I need to what I want to do is be better about I don't want to have to heat anything up if I can avoid it. And don't want to have a whole super lot of trash to carry out. So I'm thinking next one I'm doing, I'm gonna be making a uh, bunch of PB and J's and shit like that. Well, these days with, you know, the jet boils and, and the likes, I mean, it, it really doesn't take up that much space. I like it. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's pretty convenient. We cooked, yeah. we, we, we made coffee at lunch. Yeah. Yeah. You want some coffee? Yeah. Always. I do suggest <laughs> the Nest Cafe instant coffee. It's yes, pretty good. Sir. Uh, world class i've moved off of i was using those backpacking the freeze-dried meals for my trips and i have decided that i'm not doing that anymore (laughs) by the time i get up there to wherever i'm going i don't want to eat them i have no appetite for them and they're hard to eat they're disgusting when i went up uh lacant with jared in August, I made a beef pho that was freeze dried and ended up just drinking the broth because I needed salt so bad and I had to force myself to do that. You can get you some noon tablets. Yeah, that's one thing. The previous two trips with you guys, I was not good about bringing salt and I had and I paid for it dearly. Yeah, does uh, use them now the noon tablets are starting to be a fixture in my life. And there's, they're one of the things I need to just go get a couple and throw in my camping kit, but they're I've really a, good after a long run. I'll put two of them in my now gene. And I've been and taking the ones away. with caffeine. Yeah, me too. If, but 
one before and then if it's early in the morning i'll take one after and if it's an evening run i will do one without caffeine and they yeah. just make your water taste good yeah they do. <laughs> i don't mind them i don't like artificial sweetener but i don't mind them at all they though they're not super sweet to me which is one thing i like about them <laughs> they definitely don't have an artificial sweet taste that i've noticed so uh noon shout out the uh i think for me i've got a handful of those freeze-dried or whatever meal packets around and to me at this point they're like these are if i'm ever in like an extreme emergency situation is about the only like i'll probably still carry them with me when i go backpacking but they're not going to be what i plan to eat there's going to be something like if shit gets real sideways out there that's what i'll have to eat that's probably a good idea just to just to be there some it's not they're not heavy and if you're getting to the no, point more where big you need one you're probably going to be okay eating it yeah if you're that hungry so I definitely need to do want to get some kind of backpacking trip in. Got pretty good options. I just like I said, the water's a big deal to figure out. Yeah. You're pretty much, I would say, uh, an a one nighter out and back, which you can go out in the I guess try to get as close to evening as you can. Yeah. Or still make it out there. Yeah sit in the shade and carry a gallon with you and hope mm-hmm. hope for the best yeah then come back to your truck and do it again or whatever i ain't scared to have a little bit of a ruck and that's how that outer mountain loop is you can go cash water in the you know there's there's places you can hike in like a mile you know and cash your water and then you hike your mile out and then you've got it when you're coming around on your on your yeah. loop i hadn't done a whole lot of research on that but i know it can be done Ryan McCabe and I are doing the uh, South Rim on January 1st, single overnight trip. But I'm thinking about using my hydration pack from my Osprey uh, running vest in addition with my Camelback hydration pack loaded down with three Nalgene's. Yeah. That should be enough to get by. <laughs> yeah, and that's something I need to start utilizing better. So I've got my Camelback backpack, and then my backpack also has a spot for a bladder. And mm-hmm. so between those two, I could probably get a gallon of water, and then I could also carry, uh, you know, three or four Nalgene's. It's yeah. for me. It's not so much the weight; it's the it's the bulk. Yeah, it's the room. I think that's the beauty with, of Nalgene's is you're able to attach them anywhere on your pack. Yeah. Outside of your pack if you just have a carabiner. I yeah. mean, they're, they're going to be swinging, but. There's lots of stuff swinging. So. <laughs> swinging. <laughs> I'm thinking swinging. about <laughs> kind of replacing some of my gear with lighter weight, ultralight stuff. Yeah. Such as a tent, because you can get tents down to like two pounds and they're not too bad 350 ish is what i'm seeing um i do like the hammock stuff but i do like camping out west so gotta think about that and then i want to get i'm gonna get a new sleeping pad i'm never not sleeping with a sleep without a sleeping pad again made that mistake 
that you don't warm the ground up in March in the Smokies. Yeah. John, when we go when we go yakking, are you are you gonna bring your hammock? Yeah, I, I would definitely bring my hammock out there. I found my hammock the other day, and did I tell you guys that? No. I ordered one for my I ordered one for my birthday. Well, actually, Kathy found it. I ordered one for my birthday with a gift card I got to REI. I got a hammock, a suspension kit, and then a day pack, and also a hammock. Uh, cover and uh they got here and i'll be damned if i didn't they didn't disappear the day they showed up and then i completely forgot about them until like three weeks ago i'm like where are those damn things uh porch thief yeah (laughs) but uh they turned up so now i need to find a place to use them well you can't use them in big bend nope unfortunately you just can't get caught using them in big bend yeah that's true but I have respect for the land and most of the rules, even though I hadn't agreed with a lot of what Big Ben's been up to lately. So, yeah, I, I just try to obey the rules when I'm out there because everyone's reaction to disobeying rules is putting more rules in. Yeah, they don't they don't add freedom because people are, aren't obeying the rules. So. That's a good point. And I like to go back. Too, so that's a good point. I'm ready to go, Jared. I'm hoping to come down and run mule ears. Is McCabe going to run it too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we're we're actually going to be down. We're leaving the morning of the thirtieth, so we'll we'll be there on the thirty first, bright and early. Where are y'all staying on the thirtieth? Oh, at the same campground we're staying at the rest of the time. Oh, the, our base home. What do they call it? Base camp. Yeah, we should call it base camp. Me and John and uh, hopefully Tyler, and if you change your mind on being a good employee. Uh, Not so kid. much the employee part. It's days off work. Well, no, no, no. It's just being that close to the marathon. I want to get in my work. Understand. Try, to, do the try work. to try to obtain my goal. I guess me and you are just trying to finish our races, and he's trying to qualify for Boston. So we'll. we'll. You worried about being sleep deprived or hung no, over? No, I'm just afraid of not being able to one, not getting in the mileage that I need. Which that close to the race, it probably doesn't matter a whole lot. Me and John also, got it. We got a ten miler on the books. Well, shit. I'm also worried about injuring my ankle again. Yeah. Which yeah. I've been off for here recently, but yeah, you can't. Uh, I'm in first place in the Strava. Actually, probably not now that Tyler Owens ran. <laughs> I had my moment though, and I've got photographic evidence. Speaking of Strava, someone decided that he would rather go to dinner tonight than run his two miles that he needed to run. So, and then he came home and watched <laughs> how to run a hundred miles. Hey, you know what? There's still time in the day. Yeah, the day ain't over. It's just two miles, baby. I went. I did go plug in my lamp. <laughs> so Tyler Owens is leading on mileage, but I'm leading on time. So make <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's Think of that, uh, what you will. <laughs> when I was in triathlon, I would always. 
be competing on time for the week and how many hours I spent training because I couldn't do the mileage right. <laughs> in our Strava club. You can look at it two ways. It's like, you know, if it takes you 45 minutes to run three miles, you can say, Hey, I can run three miles in 45 minutes. Or you can say I can run for 45 minutes. So. Yeah. I remember in college, I just trying to pick out my first pair of running shoes specifically for running. There was a pair of Brooks Ravina, no Brooke Ravina sevens or something like that. Uh, I just told the ladies, listen, I just want to work up to be able to run for one hour straight. I couldn't do it. It's just, I don't know. It's weird how time progresses. Yeah. Just a little bit of work. Well, and it's amazing the perspective too, because when you're marathon ready, running four miles is nothing. Running 10 miles is nothing. But so I remember when I was training for my last marathon, I'd be like, ooh, I only got eight miles I got to do today. Like, ooh, Easy gonna, day. Yeah, just go hammer that out <laughs> real quick. Get on with it. And now I'm like, today I had to run five and wasn't easy. And I had to do I did it in two different runs for not because I was intimidated for doing five miles, just because I didn't get up. And then when I did get up this morning, it was ice fucking cold outside. So I did I did get my five miles. And ultimately my goal, my big goal is to run the ultra. And when it comes to ultra training, it don't matter when your five miles comes, it just matters that they come. So when I was doing long distance triathlon training, I think being on the bike for eight hours really messed with my perception of time. How so? I was sitting there trying to just get it done and get the suffering over with. And for some reason now, ever since then, I know it's probably part of me getting older. It's that I, time just flies by and I haven't been able to slow it down ever since. Yeah, that's definitely part of getting older, I think. But I know what you're getting at. And I remember, too, when I was doing my marathon training, I would see something that would take three hours, and I'd be like, oh, shit, I can run for three hours, so surely I can, you know, work on a spreadsheet for three hours, you know, or drive to Amarillo. (laughs) (laughs) On that same note, too, when I lived out in West Texas, driving seven, eight hours was nothing to me. Now that I live on the East Coast where everything's real close, that's four hours away? Shit, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you could probably <laughs> drive to New York City in eight hours. Yeah. People people get worried about a two-hour drive around here. Yeah. I mean, you just don't even know. I can't even get to the next major metropolitan area in two hours from here they don't know you know when you live in west texas you can't exactly drive somewhere you gotta, you gotta pack up all your crap <laughs> and hope to gotta be back home by monday yep that's exactly right so uh jared's trying to throw a curveball in our ultra Whoa. Plans. Uh-oh. Whoa. What are you doing, Jared? I'm not 
not doing anything. I might be doing something, but. He calls me up today wanting to run the Havilena 100, which is a nighttime race in the deserts of Arizona. And I'm all in on a nighttime race because uh, I kind of like that, you know, you sort of get the heebie-jeebies out there at nighttime. And uh, he goes, they got a 50K. And so I commit to it. I said, yeah. Full-blown commit. I said, fuck Paladero, I'll sign up for the Havilena 100 when I get back to the office. And I get there, and there's no 50K option. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, why don't you just do the 100K? And so I said, I'd look at some training plans. <laughs> <laughs> when is it? October? Yeah, October. it was on uh, it's on Halloween this year. So just outside yeah. of Phoenix, Arizona. The course looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I do recommend that video I watched earlier that how to run a hundred miles. Which one was it? It was by REI. Yeah, oh, I watched as the two buddies. Yeah, yeah, pretty huh? good. I'd recommend watching that. Yeah, I watched that the other day. It's really good. They did. Was that Leadville it. they did? Or no, there's another one that followed it that was by a different person. They did the steamboat one. It's like run, rabbit run. Yeah. I did watch another video right after it. It's like, why run 100 miles? And it, it was about a guy doing Leadville. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one by REI was a damn tearjerker. Mm-hmm. Have y'all watched the one on uh, the Barkley? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've seen that one. By, the Barkley Marathons? Yeah, by the Ginger Runner. You watch is, it. Is he the one? He's got real long hair. He had coconut oil in a shower. No, <laughs> that's not him. <laughs> Is he's, this? Just, he's just a YouTuber. No. He he's he's filming his buddy that that's doing the the Barkley Marathon. Is this the one that was on Netflix a while ago? Because they did a there's like a documentary on it on just the, the Barkley Marathons in general, I guess. Could be the same video. This was a full blown hundred and or hour and a half movie. Oh yeah, I don't think I don't think it's that one was pretty good too. That uh, that REI movie didn't say a damn thing about how to run a hundred miles. Yeah, it did have the six points that were you kind of miss. I didn't realize they were happening until like point four. But it it was it is definitely not an instructional video. It is a emotional story about those two dudes. It was good watching it though. I watched it. uh, I watched it a couple weeks ago. It's funny that you stumbled across it too. I was looking at how to use a compass. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> now I know how to use a compass and run 100 miles. I, I'm i going to do 100 miles within the next three years, I think. I uh, The guy I ran with last Saturday is doing one in March, which if Skidaway gets canceled, that's the race I'm going to go do. It's at Davis Mountains. Do it. Uh, maybe. I might just come out to Georgia and dick around for a week. So we'll just have to see, but I just want to see what it's all about. It's got to be for the hundred K Barry, the Havelina hundred K. Um, 
I do. I've done this before. Uh, go volunteer at some races. If you want to see what it's about. Uh, I went up on my first backpacking trip. I actually volunteered at a ultra marathon before I went on the backpacking trip on the way up there. It was at table rock state park here in South Carolina and stopped in there, volunteered for a few hours and then headed on to Caesar's head. That's cool. I what race was, was that? I don't even remember the name of the, I might could dig up a shirt that they gave me and, Does it say volunteer on the back? I don't know. I don't keep things like that. Man. I don't know if you suffer enough volunteering. Oh, you suffer. <laughs> Especially if the weather's shitty. I just want to, you know, I think, uh, I think I've got the mental fortitude to do it currently but it would be a slog. I would want to do it. You know, I'd want to be trained to a point that I'm not going to be completely just ruined. When I don't I think got you have an option it. though. Yeah. I don't like with a hundred miles, you can't get there. I, I think, think you're going half yeah. of it's mental. Right. Well, so the, the, the guy I know that's doing this hundred, uh, in March basically runs every day and he'll run he probably runs during the week he probably does six to eight miles every day and then he'll do on the weekends he'll probably do 30 or 40 miles total for the weekend and so and it's not necessarily fast he he is a fast runner i think but he's running you know like on his trail runs he might do 10 or 15 minute miles and so it's all about the time on your feet. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that too about the mental fortitude. Cause I was thinking about that watching those videos and like, I don't know if I'm mentally tough enough to accomplish something like that. That makes me want to do just accomplish it because I don't know if I'm tough enough to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's where I'm at too. And we've talked about it. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. We definitely talked about it outside of it that, you know, for me running a marathon, I'm not going to qualify for Boston ever. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's more about the journey and the finishing and then be the same deal with an ultra marathon. I'm not going to win it, but you know, it's just going to be about getting out there and finish it. I think that's most people's idea when it comes to ultra running. Yeah, for sure. Just accomplishing it. Well, and for me too, there's a lot to be said just to get to spend a day out in the wilderness. Yeah. So. It's a huge accomplishment. To just, just to do it, man. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's no small feat. Well, I'm telling you running a marathon will change your damn life. The getting there, the getting ready for it. And then the doing it the getting ready for it had a lot bigger impact on me than the doing it. Once I was done, I'm like, that's it. It didn't help that the weather was absolute dog shit at the one (laughs) I did. So everyone was like, okay, we're done. Let's go. Bye. Thanks. So yeah, people, it's the, the work that goes into that single race, man. It's, it's just, it's brutal. 
Yeah, you got to be committed. But it's worth doing. I think everybody should run one. Even a half marathon, for that matter. Yeah. Half marathons are a good race because you don't have to dedicate your whole life to it to get ready for it, you know. Not that if you're willing to get up early enough in the morning, you don't have to dedicate your life to running a marathon either. Which lately I hadn't been able to. And tomorrow ain't going to be no exception. (laughs) Find it hard to get up early in the morning to run in the winter. Yeah. Or in the fall, early spring. I find it's a lot easier in the summer, man. A lot easier when it's yeah, it's already warm and two degrees outside. <laughs> the sun comes up at five forty-five. <laughs> well, that's what pisses me off about like about my winter here, my my day right now. The sun comes up at seven twenty and goes down at five twenty. So working eight to five, I'm in the car driving to work when the sun's coming up and coming home from work when the sun's going down and it just does not make me want to run. I need to set that aside and figure it out and get it done. But it just, I don't want to go run in the dark. Yeah. I don't hate running in the dark. I'm definitely more likely to do it in the morning than the evening. Uh, I have logged a few miles around lunchtime lately. Something that I've been really wanting to focus on is getting in the habit of, um, I don't have to be at work until 10, 9.30 or 10. And so I really can don't have to get up early to run before work. You but, definitely need to be using that time. Yeah, and I do. <laughs> I mean, I make, I make good use of it. But the thing – so my thing is I get up – so from 7 to 8, traffic is really bad, which makes running miserable. And then if I go – if I start any later than 8 – I'm usually in a rush trying to get ready for work. And so I still need to get up early and go run. But something I've been wanting to train myself to do, especially on my long runs, is to start at 7 a.m. period. You know, especially when you start thinking about doing races, you know, uh, they're all going to start at 7 or 8 a.m. And so you just need to train your body to – to be ready for that time, get up and make, do all its necessary movements and be awake and have your coffee and all that crap. Just got to do it. John, what do you think I'm doing all morning? Just sitting around here, staring at the ceiling. I definitely could stare at the ceiling for two and a half hours. I do some days. Why I look the way I do. Well, y'all got any closing thoughts? Um, just, Looking forward to a good year. Uh, thank you for everyone who's joined us this year. We're heading into year two of the podcast, and we're excited to keep growing and keep getting better. Yeah, our uh, one-year anniversary is not far out. I think we recorded our first episode on February 20th. Wow. 2 2020. Who knew what the world was going to come to in just a matter of weeks after yeah. starting that? So that's cool though. Thank you guys for coming along too. Let's keep it up. Uh, Jared, any closing thoughts? Get them miles in, baby. Get them miles in.
John, you going to head out? Not tonight. I'm probably going to get up early. Seems like it'd be easier to go tonight than get up early. I'll go do no, two. I'll go out and do two with you. It'll jack me up, and I won't go to sleep, so I'll try to get up early. What time do you want me to text you? Five. Five, so that's that's four, eight, four here. Okay. I'm going to just trust you to get up. All right. <laughs> so, only thing I want to say is I heard a quote a while back uh, when it comes to fiction books. Don't just read the book. Experience the book. Whoa. Unless it's misery. Uh, <laughs> especially if it's misery. So, all right. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast. Our aim with this show is to encourage people to read widely, enjoy good beverages in moderation, get outside, and have good conversations. We hope we can meet this goal while serving as good company for you, the listener. If you enjoy the show, please let us know by subscribing to and reviewing the podcast and following us on Instagram. If you really enjoy the podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to help us continually improve the show. You can find the link to do this in the show notes for this episode or on our Instagram page at bourbon underscore bookshelf. Thank you and we'll see you next time.